0: Mental podcast to episode 85 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Matty Sen Carpenter. You might recognize if you watched The Simpler Life on Channel 4, which was on earlier this year. And the premise of the show really was to take a bunch of people and they put them on a farm in Devon during the pandemic and they were there for like four months five months something like that and they had to live in the traditional Amish way of life so they had no mains gas or electricity and they had to live off the land so they had farmland and they had to learn how to grow stuff and live together and it was all reading by candlelight and washing in a tub and drying it on a mangle and all that sort of stuff and it was a really cool show if you've listened to this podcast for a while you know that I quite like shows like this Um, I don't quite know what you call them because it's not reality TV is it? it's more like some sort of like social experiment. And I'm not much of a sleeper. So when I'm up in the night, I tend to like to watch these type of shows and anything where people have to live in a different way of life or a load of people go and live on an island, or something like that, I'm in. And I really enjoyed The Simpler Life. But one of the reasons why it was really interesting to me is that before all the people went on the show, they were all tested physically and mentally, and then the results of these tests were monitored as the process went on. Well, there was loads of physical improvements from people working outdoors, Anyone who had something like anxiety or stress or any of these high mental scores, well, those scores got better and better as the time went on. And I think we know that modern life has an effect on our mental health. We know that work and screens and society in general really has a hard impact on us. But it's also because it's societal, it's also hard to do anything about it. And this was a really rare opportunity for people to go to this space and completely get rid of all this harmful stuff. And it genuinely seemed to have a positive impact on people's mental well-being. And Matty talked on the show about her experiences with mental ill health, particularly anxiety. And as the show progressed, she became less and less anxious and eventually got to the point where she decided to stop taking her medication while she was on the show. And I just found the whole thing, not only really enjoyable, but fascinating. If you'd like to watch it, I've put a link in the episode notes. I'd highly recommend it. It's a really nice watch. Everyone in it kind of gets on really well in this community. Early on, there's a few bigger personalities, shall we say, that maybe don't quite fit in. They all tend to leave quite quick. I don't like watching things where everyone's shouting at each other and being horrible, but any sort of... um, Falling out happens quite early and then they fall into this really nice groove of, of working together and being really happy. So I reached out to Mattie on Instagram and she said she was up for coming on for a chat and it was lovely to chat to her. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. She's really nice. And she had a lot of very interesting things to say. So we talk about where she found out about the show, what was going on in her life. ...and what was going on with her mental health leading up to the show. We talk about the process of getting on... ...and then what it was like to kind of live as part of a community... ...and have to learn how to farm... ...and have to live without tech and screens and all this stuff. We talk about her coming off her medication... And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really, really cool. And like I say, if you want to give it a watch, it's on for On Demand. And if you wanted to connect with Matty on social media and see what she's up to, it's at Matty Sen Carpenter. If you'd like to catch up with me, it's at Proper Mental Podcast in all the usual places. Best place to reach out is through the contact page on my website. And if you could take a minute to like, review, subscribe, screenshot when you listen, tag me in it, tag Matty in it, and make a bit of noise about this episode or any other episode you choose to listen to, It would be very much appreciated. But anyway, here we go. This is episode 85 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Matty Sen Carpenter. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Matty Sen Carpenter. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I'd imagine it was a little, um, a little strange when I slid into your DMs out of nowhere to try and get you on my podcast. <laughs>
1: i've done i've like never done a podcast or anything like that before but i actually always wanted to try it so i was like all right let's do it
0: (laughs) oh mate well thank you i really really appreciate it um so yeah obviously i i came to know about you from watching the simpler life on on channel four and i enjoyed that show so much um it was really cool i think sometimes with those sorts of tv shows where they get a load of um you know a load of people and put them all together they try and um the television companies try and like dramatize it and they try and make it all about like fuss and drama but there was something really like kind and pleasant about The Simpler Life that I found it really nice to kind of like to watch you all you know just kind of getting yeah. on with it and um, and it was really really lovely but um, I suppose we're going to get into all that with due <laughs> time probably the best place to start is can we go back before The Simpler Life and um, before that came along what what were you doing mate what were you up to?
1: So before The Simpler Life I was at probably like my my worst point I was having a proper nightmare um so I'd been in a long-term relationship well for four years with my boyfriend um and during lockdown we started living together and his mental health had really really gone downhill massively in lockdown um and he was diagnosed at the time with something called cyclosemia which is Similar to bipolar, but you don't have your manic highs and lows over the course of weeks. It's like in one day you have uh-huh. them. So that manic highs and manic lows, like all in one day. And obviously we were locked down together, um, can go anywhere. And it really took its toll on me and on him. Um, and then <laughs> we got a new place together. Things were getting a lot better. Um, and then my nanny, my grandma, she passed away. Um and but I adored her she was just like the best person so I was devastated um and went to her funeral and came back and found used condoms in my bedroom bin um oh <laughs> which unraveled a series of events which I realized my boyfriend while I've been taking care of him had been cheating on me for a year <laughs> um so he moved out of the flat and we were still in lockdown and so then I just spent eight months in that new home that we'd set up together and I was grieving and I was heartbroken and I was in lockdown I couldn't go and see anyone um and I was just having crazy anxiety and panic attacks and it was awful um and then this email slid into my inbox and it said do you need a change (laughs) and I was like yes (laughs) yes anything like I'll do it like they were trying to explain it to me and they were sort of trying like soft launch it I was like I don't care I'll, be, I'll do it I'll be Amish like anything
0: <laughs> yeah oh wow so I mean that's that's heavy right that's um yeah. that's a lot that's a lot it was so, a
1: lot all at once and and at a time when you couldn't really have your like support system you'd normally have because we were all in lockdown
0: yeah I mean I think during that period even with even if stuff was plain sailing and with, you know, a few things around you that, you know, that were comforting and helpful, then it was still hard. So to have all that other stuff as well is just, um, yeah, that's really heavy, really, really heavy. And then all of a sudden this opportunity to um, completely flip it on its head, just uh, dropped into your inbox. Yeah. That's incredible, man. It's like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is, right?
1: It was so meant to be, and it was exactly what I needed at the time. And especially like with the break from technology, because I've been really like, I was at the point where it's like your own thoughts are so negative you don't want to allow any space to let them in so the phone was coming everywhere like brushing my teeth like on the loo while I'm cooking it was like I didn't want to put it down and just have silence so I was just really like constantly on it um, and I had a whole horrible experience as well with the the guy my the girl my ex cheated on me with uh, like messaging me from all different social media accounts so that was giving me like huge anxiety. And it got to the point every time my phone made a noise, I was like feeling like I was going to throw up. So yeah, yeah. when they said like a complete break from technology and like from the outside world, I was really like, okay, this is, yeah, meant to be.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think that the using the, the technology to kind of like escape. Um, from those quiet periods I think that's so common I think modern life is is built for us to to distract isn't it and yeah. um, you know I think so, I mean sometimes it's really useful right like if you know you're doing it that's yeah. fine so for me like when I get that little notification at the end of the week and it kills my screen time if that's gone through the roof <laughs> then I know I need to be dealing with something I need to uh, I need yeah. to take a step back you know that's like a reminder for me but yeah when we don't know it's very easy to get lost get lost yeah. in that world isn't it that world of world of distraction yeah
1: and like you said it can be helpful like you know watching funny videos when you're avoiding anxiety that's temporary like you know you've got the nerves before a presentation or you're anxious about something that is just natural nerve and it's not something you really need to deal with then it's nice to have that distraction but when you distract yourself too much from something that you really should be processing instead you just like prolong that feeling and it just builds
0: yeah, definitely. And, and and the thing with like processing these, these feelings, these emotions is that the time's not always right, you know, so yeah. like for you at that moment, lockdown, everything going on, that's not necessarily the time to be doing this, like, inner, inner work, you know, yeah. this big deep dive in, in rifling for this stuff. Yeah. So what was it from getting that, that email? Well, in fact, before we go there, Matty, had you before all the those awful events happened? Had you had any problems with your mental health before that? Or was did this kind of bring it all on?
1: So I would started getting some anxiety when I went to uni um, and really like I think I struggled a little bit clicking with people and making friends straight away and not because I didn't get on with people I really did and had like nice surface level friendships with everyone on my course but I think I couldn't quite relax and let go in the same way as everyone else did and I was finding myself really a little bit anxious and I hadn't well, I hadn't thought I'd had social anxiety before, but looking back at, like, being a child, I realised I probably had always had it on a low level and didn't know what it was. Because for me, it always went straight to my stomach. So, like, me and my mum was walking, she was like, you know, you think you haven't had it, but as a child, any sort of big change or any event or before a party, she'd be like, you'd be straight into the bathroom and you'd puke. And it was that, like, it came out physically rather than in my mind. Um, and then, yeah, going to uni... I think I found the social anxiety a bit overwhelming and I was struggling um, with like, being able to focus and concentrate on doing the work without someone like on my back to make me do it all the time. Um, so yeah, I found it a little bit difficult, um, but it was sort of very low level and it was fine. And I sort of muddled through it. And it was one of those things where at the time you think you're fine. And it's only when you look back at it, you think, oh, actually, I think I was quite unhappy
0: yeah i get that a lot you know i kind of from my own experiences with mental health i always describe it as um there was like a leak in the basement and that ever so slowly just trickled in and it was trickling in for years and years no one ever noticed like you say low level and then one day that pipe just burst you know and um, once that water's pouring out you can't you can't get a stopper back in the in the hole in the pipe or whatever it is yeah But, um yeah, I think a lot of people will yeah. um, identify with that and know, it's funny
1: up, as so. well actually because I did create a writing and when I look back at some of the work I did for like my final year, like I wrote a poem called like drip by drip or something about like getting in a bathtub and someone's like cranking more hot water and it slowly slowly you don't realize until you're burning. and I'm like, looking back at it, I'm like, honey. <laughs> Don't think you
0: were good. <laughs> like All the signs, all the signs were there. Yeah. I think um, like for a lot of people with stuff like anxiety, we have this very society has like a really stereotypical view of like what it is. And then when we don't fit that mold, we think, oh, well, that's not me that's you know we don't have a word for what we're experiencing and it's only when you learn a bit more about the subtle nuances about how these things show up differently in different people that you kind of have that moment where you look back and go ah yeah that that makes sense you know that thing that's always been with me that's that's what it is but you know that that's yeah we you don't know if you don't know right that's just kind of how it is
1: yeah exactly that
0: yeah so how did this you get this email this amazing you know this chance to uh yeah just turn your back on the modern world for a bit comes along how long did that process take from responding to that to, to getting into that house?
1: So it was a little while, actually, a few months, maybe like I'm trying to think when I first got the email, i say it was maybe like four or five months in between. Um, yeah, because then by the time I actually left, I'd moved out the flat by myself, moved in with my friends. Um, so yeah, I think it was quite a few months. And it was like, back and forth with like Zoom interviews and phone calls and um, doing like video diaries and things like that. And then at each stage of the process, you didn't know whether or not you'd been chosen and you're going to get to go. And then they'd ring you and say like, yeah, like, you know, Channel 4 really like you. They want to see you a bit more. And then I think when I finally found out I'd got it, I was on the bus on the way to work.
0: Uh, wow. So the news dropped in while you were on the bus. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, wow. It sounds like that must have been quite um, quite challenging, really. So, you know, you're desperate to kind of move away from this technology. And then the process of getting on the show was like ramping up the technology and having to yeah. spend more time in that, in that space.
1: And I think as well, because I was like so aware that this was going to be something that was really good for me. And I was in such a bad place mentally. I was like, I really, really need this. Um, and then I remember just having these conversations with my mum where I was like, well, if I don't get in... I don't know what I am gonna do. Cause I was at the point where I was like, I was like physically throwing up from anxiety pretty much every day. Um, I'd lost so much weight. I was just miserable. I wasn't really like leaving the house or talking to anyone. And like, I had all my hopes pinned on, this is gonna really, really help me. And then, yeah, I just remember sitting down with my mum and having that conversation where I was like, if they don't pick me, <laughs> like, cause she'd moved to Turkey as well. So she wasn't even in the country to be able to like come over and comfort me um I was like they don't pick me like what is gonna happen
0: yeah that must have been quite scary really because the like because it was such an unusual thing to do so it's not like if you're waiting to I don't know start with a therapist and it falls through you just find another one right but um that it's kind of like such a unique um unique experience so it was a relief yeah when you finally got the got the green light oh
1: yeah it was a massive relief like and I think yeah I really felt like oh this is so like meant to be and I'm really it was like I was so grateful um and then I just I was just like you know you have to hang in there till you're there basically (laughs) you can't fall apart before you get there I was like just hang in there and like just see if it helps and uh, yeah and it did it was an amazing experience
0: oh mate so when was it May um was it 20 was it last year that you went in
1: yeah May last
0: year May last year and how long were you in the house for in total
1: uh about four months so wow yeah just under four months
0: yeah so that's like a real you know originally real... it was
1: going to actually be like 5
0: months. yeah so long um a long time you know and i think that's that's important to mention actually because sometimes when we're trying to recover from mental health related things you, you, we need 4 months <laughs> or yeah. 5 months or 6 you know like Um, you know, sometimes we think that maybe having a week off work is going to solve that problem or just having a bit of a rest. But sometimes it it takes a a long time, doesn't it? It takes a real big step back from what's going on to process it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a long process. And then, you know, even when I came home afterwards, it was almost like having to sort of, in a way, restart the process, but from a healthier place, because it was like everything that helped me, it wasn't there anymore. And you're like dumped back in the modern world and all the like you know sat back in the same room where I'd been so miserable and it was like okay well now I have to like keep going with that process and there's not going to be anyone there to guide me
0: yeah yeah see that's intense as well yeah definitely and I think that I kind of found this with the with lockdown myself you know I I got um, very ill in 2020 and it was only after the world went back to normal I kind of did all right through lockdown and then it was when everything started back up and I kind of had to jump back into this life that I wasn't very happy with um and it was like my brain said nah you don't fit there no more you know that yeah. ain't gonna work no more and that that was that was when I got sick was when everything went the bit the normal bit everyone had been praying for <laughs> that was the bit that that was uh that was so challenging but um the the location of the of where the house was and everything. I mean that looked incredible that must have rocking up there for the first time must have been a bit like wow I get to live here for a bit right
1: yeah it was so gorgeous and like we got there and the farmhouse was like covered in like wisteria like the purple flowers um and just like the sun was shining it was like idyllic and and we hadn't really known what to expect like I thought it was going to be a lot more rough and ready because when they described it to us and they're like you know you're not going to have any electricity no lights no heaters type of thing I was thinking like is it going to be like little huts or and then when you got there it was like oh okay this is very nice
0: yeah it was it looked dead posh yeah it it really did yeah what was it like um turning up there and obviously you've been um a lot of time on your own through lockdown and then living with your friends and then suddenly there's like what was it like 20 odd of you or something like all in one space was that quite strange
1: um it was yeah it was very weird um but really nice actually I think like, I feel like I got really lucky because I was in the farmhouse rather than the cottages. Um, and the vibe at the farmhouse was always, like, a very, like, family, fun, like, loving vibe. And the vibe at the cottages was a little bit aggressive most of the time. Um, so I was, like, very grateful to be where I was um, and just, like, be surrounded by the people I was surrounded by. Um, and, like, had yeah, to really quickly made these really strong bonds with everyone um I think the first person like I really bonded with was Harry um so me and Harry we met each other in the hotel the night before we went um and like went for a walk and had a seat together um and like had a chat and was sort of like reassuring each other about our nerves when we went in so when we went in we sort of stuck together straight away um and then yeah just like slowly got to know everyone and was like a proper little family like I loved
0: it yeah it really came across like that watching it It was really nice and it it that element something I talk a lot about in this podcast is the importance of community and in like in modern life we often find ourselves adrift from a community you know from being part of something that's um like bigger than ourselves almost you know bigger than your friendship group or or even you, you to some extent to family being part of of something and we you know like I, I don't know all my neighbors names and you know like particularly in the big cities everyone's kind of avoiding eye contact but yeah. we're we're designed to to live and function together aren't we with, with other people and I, I'd imagine having that not just being with people but that sense of all coming together and helping each other and supporting each other that must have been a that must have been a real positive impact
1: definitely it was really there's something about like all working together I mean my friend we were Oh, it was me and Fran, we were on uh, FaceTime last night and we were trying to figure out exactly what it is about like socialising on the farm. That was so different to socialising in the real world. And we were saying, in the real world, even if you have good groups of friends and when you go see them, you've usually gone to see them with the intention to socialise. So if you're not feeling great, you're having a bit of a down day and you're not feeling like, like your best you or whatever, it can be kind of a little bit exhausting to like, you're like, I'm here to like have fun. Whereas when we were all together on the farm, like we lived together and we worked together. If you were quiet, you could just be quiet, but you were quiet next to someone. And it was that like you could be alone together. It was that feeling like you're never alone and they're always there, but you don't always have to come in and like be putting on a show or be entertaining anyone. You could just all be like lying next to each other on the sofa, reading a book, but you look around and they're all there. And that was like, I think such a, it gave you such a feeling of like security in your relationships.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds really powerful. It sounds really lovely. And I suppose the fact that you're all there without any of the external stuff, right? I mean, you all have like the same clothes on and, and yeah. stuff like that. So you can't, I suppose all, you, you're, all you're left with is you, is your personality. So with your bonding and making friendships, then you know that it's based on, on, on who you are you Know so it's that feeling of uh, connectedness through almost like a shared self worth, I think. Because yeah. in the modern world, it's really easy to kind of feel you know, social media, we're all comparing ourselves, you feel like you can't keep up, always on to the next thing, and suddenly you're all in that space and you're all like on the same level and just bonding through actually like you know, being through you being yourself, I suppose.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was really funny because there were some people who. You to them, and you knew them, and you could just—you knew exactly what they looked like in the outside world. You could imagine what they'd wear and how they present themselves. And then there were some people who, like, it was a complete shock. Um, like the twins, I think they were the one I was most surprised by when I saw them in their own clothes. Like to me, they just were those Amish boys. Um, and the twins, honestly, like probably two of the like sweetest and kindest and most like, loving people I've ever met, and they're so funny. Um, and then when I saw them after, and they were all like blinged out with their earrings and everything, I was like, "You look so different to how I pictured you."
0: I well, like you couldn't get further away from a couple of like pig farmers, basically. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. some people just like their outsides and their insides match perfectly. Like Kevin is exactly what I thought he'd look like, like and Fran as well. Like she's so Fran all the time when she came out. I was like, yeah "That's exactly what I expected."
0: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And that you know, like you really like lit up when you were talking about your friends there. And that's like, you know, that's such a nice, nice thing to see, but it kind of seemed like from, cause I know like with TV shows, yeah. um, when we were kind of watching them, I mean, you guys were there for four months and there was like, what, six episodes or something, you yeah. know, so there must be so much, but it did really seem like um, a lot of the people who um, maybe were a, a bit more challenging to get on with or bond with, they didn't seem to last that long in the process. It seemed to be like, By the end, the the people that were left was a really close bond. But at the start, there was a bit more sort of tension.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think, interestingly, it seemed like it was a very big generational gap between people who sort of embraced the process and enjoyed it and made good bonds and had fun and people who were kind of a bit miserable throughout it and left. Um, And I think that's because all of us who were a little bit younger, a bit more adrift in the world anyway, you know, most of us, like, we're no one's boss, we're not the head of a family, we're used to not having a huge amount of say and having to, like, negotiate for what we want anyway, and then everyone who came from a position where they're, you know, like, the head at their work, or they're the head of their family, and usually people listen to them and do what they say, and they have that inbuilt level of respect they found it really really difficult I think to be on like equal footing with everyone Mm -hmm. um and then there was always that need I think to like look for a reason not to like the people who were having a good time because I think if you're having a bad time and you don't know why and you because I'm sure everyone who went home early probably also came in with hopes of it really helping them and really changing their life and so if you come in with that hope and you're not feeling it and you can see a group of other people who clearly are feeling it and they're having the best time and they're laughing all the time I think it's quite natural to to start like resent them and start to look for reasons not to like them which I think is what happened with quite a lot of the older people and it was like the more it wasn't working for them the more sort of angry and better they got Um, and I think if some of them were able to like let go and just embrace the process and embrace like being on equal footing in the community I think they really would have had a good time but it just I think with a lot of people they got to that point where they'd sort of dug themselves a hole and couldn't see their way out and just went home
0: Yeah, I think it's complicated, isn't it? When like people's identity starts coming into play and what people um, think makes them them. And that can be quite hard to admit that maybe that whatever that is, maybe doesn't exist. Maybe it's just a a concept or, you know, it's, it's it's quite hard. Yeah, but I suppose that's the beauty of that type of experiment, you know, is coming together and see who can lower those walls and make themselves vulnerable enough really because I think that's what you're allowed to do to get the most out of the experience you know I mean none of you went in knowing how to like collect eggs or milk cows or you know like that there's a a level of vulnerability where you have to say like right this is completely alien to me and I'm just gonna just step in and embrace it
1: and I think that is something that is much easier to do when you're younger but it's definitely not impossible to do when you're older I mean the only one um who was like would have been in the probably oldest category he's gonna hate me for saying it but Harry um he was sort of the only one from that category who embraced the experience and stayed till the end like you know he was the oldest person left in the end um and that was funny because like from first meeting Harry like I nicknamed him Peter Pan because he's like the boy who never grew up and he's always had that sort of free spirit like happy to be taught happy to learn happy to just go with the flow sort of thing um and you and I think that's something that is really important to keep keep hold of is like the ability to sort of like humble yourself and be like a student still at any age. Cause I I did see firsthand like sort of how much pressure it puts on you if you if you're not comfortable learning something from the bottom again when you're older. Yeah. Miss out on a lot of opportunities.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think sometimes, and it's something that, you know, I've probably guilty of myself in the past, but trying to cling on to something when yeah. it's clearly that thing maybe isn't fitting at that time, that can be really detrimental for mental health. You know, sometimes I think when life just feels so hard, then maybe it's just because you're trying to force something that's not, not going to go. And that kind of came across to me from watching it is people like really trying to just ride something that didn't want to be ridden almost, you know?
1: Yeah, it's exactly that. And I think as well, if you're not that happy in a lot of other aspects of your life, but you've worked hard and you've reached a certain level of status or respect, the idea of giving that up and, you know, say you have a job and you have a lot of respect there, but really you're not happy. The idea of giving that up and starting again and being at the bottom somewhere else, I think is so like unacceptable to some people that they would rather stay in that situation because it's like, well, at least I have status if I don't have anything else. But I think from that experience, one of the things I learned was like, if you just let it go and are willing to work your way up and be a student again in like, you know, not like a literal student, but just learn again and not have that power and status, you'll find something else to hold on to that is going to make you happier than that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I suppose it gives you that like uh, almost a fluidity through life, you know, so you can just kind of go where, uh, go where it works and, and, and yeah, and just just have it happen how it needs to, needs to happen. Yeah. But I mean, you guys, um, with, um I'll put uh, links to the epi- to the show in the episode notes, you know, so people listening can watch it, but if anyone's, uh, listening to this and they haven't watched it, I mean, you guys, you, it was literally back in time, wasn't it? You know, like <laughs> yeah. it was, you living by candlelight and getting up when the, when the roosters were crowing and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So we had like a bell in the courtyard, um, and like, Usually Harry would go and ring the bell at like 6 a.m. And then, yeah, we had like no light, no electricity. The only like bit of electricity on the farm was there was like one shed away from the houses, which had a generator that we could plug our freezer in and like a fridge. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, it was completely back to basics. So it was like hand washing everything in one of those big like tin tubs um, with like a little scrubbing rack and a bar of soap. (laughs) And um, churning our own butter, making our own cheese, milking our own cows.
0: <laughs> wow. And then, of course, like so much time in nature and so much time outdoors. You know, was that, you know, obviously you said, is it Bristol uh, you're from, Matty? Yeah. yeah. So coming from, you know, the city of Bristol to suddenly be like living in the in the fields, was that kind of, um, yeah, that must have been a bit of a, an adjustment almost.
1: Well, I loved it. And I'm um, my mum my actually grew up on a farm um so my grand my grandpa was a farmer um so I was so happy to like see all the process and even like you know we did our farming with the shire horses and I had a go at that and um that's how my granddad used to do it back in the day like he had four shire horses on his farm um so getting to do that um it was so amazing like I felt really connected to him um and I think the best thing for me was watching like some of the people who had really really never been around like any sort of nature like that at all like the twins from Lewisham and Delara and Azara um watching them was just the best feeling ever but I just remember Delara coming out one evening and in her like we had these like long nightgowns <laughs> um, and she's like just got out the shower and she was in her nightgown and she like tiptoed out the house and we were all running around on the grass and she took her socks off and she ran on the grass. And She said, I've never touched grass bare feet before. <laughs> I was like, Delilah, what do you mean? I said, run around. And she was running around. She was holding her towel in the air and weeping. And she was going, I'm running with no shoes on. <laughs> she was watching her it made me so happy.
0: Oh, mate, that's just like a, another level of freedom, right? That's next yeah. level freedom. That's really, um, really lovely. And so many of these things are good for both physical health and mental health that are really hard to get into our lives and when we talk about staying healthy you know most people are i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna eat loads of salads and that's kind of like about it you know but there's all this stuff of like of taking your shoes off and getting grass under your feet and living more in tune with with nature and the you know with the the light and the dark and the sun and the moon and time outdoors and um you know physical labor and all this stuff and like how i suppose um what I'm getting to is how quickly into the process did all these things start to come together and the community aspects, how long did you start to feel like you were coming back, back to yourself?
1: So it was definitely like, it wasn't like a straight line of progress. It really had ups and downs. So I remember like in week one, a lot of people were totally shell shocked and like struggling a bit. And me and Harry both had this like instant euphoria. Because I think we'd both just come from, like really horrible times at home we were both desperate to escape (laughs) and we were both in week one like just riding this absolute like high of it like just instant euphoria this is perfect nothing can go wrong and then by like week three (laughs) week two or three there was like a huge crash (laughs) and it was like oh god (laughs) um and it wasn't it wasn't like the challenges of you know like the simple living it was more the the arguments and the fights that people were having and it was just suddenly like I think it was like after that first community meeting as well it really went downhill just like it was just hours and hours in the hot sun and nothing could get resolved no one would agree to like vote together um and yeah I remember just feeling like like oh geez like we're never gonna be able to make a community like with these people um and then it definitely had yeah just like ups and downs like you know you'd be going really smoothly and then someone would leave who you really love like when Poppy left I really felt like I just want to go home now like me and Poppy we shared a room um and we were really close we just had like it's funny you don't actually see it on the show at all but me Poppy and Judy uh, the Amish girl <laughs> we were like a little trio so we just went everywhere together and we'd like do all our work together and then go off into the woods together and have like great chats and then Uh, yeah when Poppy left I just felt like I just want to leave and at that point I wasn't as close to the boys because we were still sticking to the rules about like men and women working separately and stuff which we just in the end we just scrapped that but at that point we're still doing it so I didn't know the boys that well Um, and me and Fran were me me and Fran ended up being like best friends but I think at that stage we still weren't as close we were but she did the indoor work and I did the outdoor work so it was like I'd go off for the whole day and then we'd see each other in the evening and then like sit outside and like have a debrief um and yeah so there were points when the dynamic would just shift really suddenly and someone would leave and you weren't expecting it and you'd feel I don't know I guess you didn't have that stability it's like you build a family and you have a community and you really like love everyone and then like day by day it can just completely shift and Each person leaving changed the dynamic in such huge ways. It was crazy. Like when Gary and Andrew left and took Tommy and Kai, all of a sudden there were no more children on the farm. Whereas in the beginning, there'd been six. Um, And like childcare was one of the bigger roles. And I used to like take the kids out to the lake to catch tadpoles and we'd play games with them. And Kai and Tommy used to come and like milk the goats with me every single morning. Um, like they used to come and be waiting outside my door first thing in the morning to like milk the goats. And just suddenly there were no more children. And it was like, oh, this is about to be a very different experience. Like it's no longer a, a family feel. It's like all adults. It's...
0: Yeah. So it's, I suppose that's that, that human condition. Right. And everyone's got a role. And um, even if that role is based on even like personality rather than a role uh, like an active work role, but everyone kind of like slots together, and you take one piece away, and it's like Jenga, right? Then everyone has to like rejuggle and re readjust to, to look after each other and to to take care of each other. Yeah, and that must have been sad when people when people left, because I think like um, I mean, it comes across chatting to you like how closely like you bonded to these people, and I think like in modern life, we that's something that's missing is those real deep, deep, deep connections, particularly with new people, you know, like we tend to have our friends who have always been our friends. And then when you meet new people, it can be quite surface level. Um, but really those building those bonds and those, those connections. And I think that's really good for us. And even if saying goodbye in that way, um, it still gives us a chance to feel those deep emotions. Right. And to kind of like, um, you know, to, it's better to feel deeply saying goodbye than it is to kind of not really feel anything at all. I think anyway
1: yeah definitely like better to have uh, loved and lost
0: <laughs> yeah 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 very much so so you, you, um you mentioned then like coming out the other side and that really really uh interested me then so that was it just like you know parachuting back into into normal life and the the lights and the sounds and you know all the technology and all that sort of stuff
1: oh uh, so it was such a weird weird experience because so when we'd gone in as well it's still been uh like lockdown and like full restrictions for covid and everything um and while we were on the farm we had to be covid tested twice a week every week um and if we left the farm like to walk into town to like sell our wares or whatever in the village we had to have a covid marshal come with us and we all had to be like masked up we looked hilarious because we'd have like the mask the visor the amish outfit and then like a marshal with us <laughs> me and Fran used to love to like creep people out like with like mouth like help would <laughs> <laughs> be like under his eye <laughs> um, but then when we left all the restrictions had lifted at that point um and everything was like back open in the real world so me and the twins got a lift together to the train station in London I don't don't know if it was King's Cross or Victoria but so we'd just been in the farm we hadn't seen any technology we hadn't seen any other people at all for like weeks and weeks and then all of a sudden they just dumped us at King's Cross station and everyone was maskless and walking around and on their phones and there was like announcements over speakers and we were just like oh we're fucked like
0: (laughs) that's intense
1: it was it was so intense we were like just clinging on to each other like a little huddle of, of like lost Amish children on our rump springer <laughs> and everyone was like breathing on us and we hadn't been used to that because of COVID like everyone was masters we were like oh my god
0: oh wow and did did you find like as you kind of got used to to being back and being home did the effects of the you know of the farm And the community did they kind of did they stay with you did that um or did they disappear as the as the world came back in
1: kind of a mix so in the beginning like there was a complete shell shock and i missed the routines so quickly and not just the work routine but like the social routine like you know harry always woke me up in the morning with a coffee and then we'd milk the cows and then we'd come back and go over to fran's cottage and we'd have a cup of tea on her lawn together Um, and like to have just a girly chat just the two of us and then there were just all these like social routines I were all of a sudden gone and I'd wake up in the morning and I was just I was in Airbnb for three weeks as well because I'd rented my room out at home so I was just like in this little studio flat by myself and I was like what like I sort of felt very lost I didn't really know what to do with myself um and I would find myself still like at the same times like (laughs) getting up to wander somewhere and being like oh there's nowhere to go (laughs) um, and I was like leaving lights on everywhere because I hadn't had light switches in ages. <laughs> Just you're leaving everything on. Um, and then I think over time, you know, in the beginning, I really didn't use my phone much coming home at all. And I really, really noticed everyone else using theirs. Like when I met up with my friends, it was really annoying me. And I suddenly found it so rude in a way that I'd never had before be like, having dinner with a friend and they're like scrolling on their phone and like can I excuse me <laughs> um and I barely used mine I didn't like looking at it at all and then over time the modern world just sort of creeps back in um and you like really 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 quickly go back into sort of a really similar routine to what you had before um and it's interesting I think you have to try you have to actively try every single day to not fall into the same habits it's not just like you learn that it makes because you'd think I've learned that this thing makes me so much happier as a person and so obviously I just keep doing it like my brain knows that's what makes me happy and that when I don't do it I'm quite miserable but there's just none of that like (laughs) just you just immediately start sliding back and you have to really make an effort to be like okay I want to be happy and these are the things I have to do to be happy and healthy and even knowing that it's really hard to make yourself do
0: them yeah it's, it's so true it's so true I have a very good understanding of my own mental health and um what I need to avoid and then like but avoiding it is another is another yeah. thing and you know, I can talk myself in and out of anything really um but yeah I think that's so true is having we have to just constantly be aware don't we of what's what's good for us and what's bad for us and and what these um what these things are yeah yeah very much so and what about the, the overall impact on your mental health Matty? because you know going in like it sounded like you've been through a lot and it sounded like you weren't in a very good place at all but what about coming out the other side where was your head at then
1: so when I left the farm I was feeling like way more confident than I had in ages and ages and just confident in like my abilities and myself as a person I think because was surrounded by people that I like loved and respected and valued their opinion and they loved and respected me and it was kind of like having a mirror to yourself and it's like I trust this person I really love this person and they they like see something great in me and so I felt way more confident about who I was and there's something as well about making those bonds with people when there's no other distractions you just notice every tiny thing about each other and that's quite lovely like You have people, like the twins came to me with every question. Like they'd come barreling into the house like, Massey, Massey, we found a caterpillar. What do we do? (laughs) Like bring it here, boys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you like find yourself in all these different roles and those roles sort of teach you a lot about how other people see you and who you are. And yeah, to have people notice like everything about you, like the way you laugh or your habits and just be really genuinely fond of it and like let you know. Um, it's like such a great thing for your confidence in who you are so I think when I came out yeah I felt much better about just being myself and I think the biggest like one of the biggest permanent changes has been with my social anxiety I think I feel so much more confident in social settings now and just like letting people see me and talking and being relaxed and not feeling like I have to try and sort of mirror the person I'm talking to it's like I just feel very confident in who I am and that people will like that. And so I can just be like, be that person straight away. And that's been really good for me, actually.
0: Oh, mate, that's lovely. That's so lovely to hear. And I think that, you know, that is such a hard thing, isn't it? It's kind of knowing who we really are. You know, we put on so many faces to the world around us. You kind of lose sight of yourself, but to be able to, to strip it all back, um, you know, that's really powerful. And it's um, yeah, it sounds like such a, a lovely a lovely journey that you were all on I really enjoyed it I am um, I'm not a great sleeper and I tend to be up at funny <laughs> funny comes with the territory right <laughs> I tend to be up at funny times and I like those sort of um, I'm reluctant to call it reality tv because I don't think that like the yeah. connotations that come with that it doesn't fit you know but it's the closest yeah. expression I can find and I do like those type of type of shows because it um it helps me to switch off and you can be kind of have a slight emotional involvement without being too involved in anything and that's kind of like my late night viewing and i really like enjoyed it so much and i think so many people um whether they struggle with mental health issues or not would just love that opportunity to just test out ditching society and everything that comes with it because like you said before we know these things aren't great for us but it's it's so ingrained it's so hard to avoid isn't it you know try not having a you know an instagram account or a mobile phone these days and you just kind of get left behind right it's hard work
1: yeah that's the thing like we've sort of reached a point in society where it almost feels not optional and it's like if you choose to switch off there's that feeling like you're inconveniencing everyone else around you you know they're like well oh, you didn't see the message i sent your messenger or like you're not reachable by email or whatever um and i think it's important to be able to put your health first in that aspect and say you know like between these hours and these hours like the phone is off and you can't reach me or you know if you want to reach me call me on this number on my brick phone but I'm not going to have all these different apps to keep in touch with you um and I think that has to be okay because otherwise you do really just find yourself like stuck in this place where yeah you know something bad for you and you feel like you can't change it
0: yeah yeah definitely and I suppose having a a long break from it you get to reevaluate your relationship with these things your relationship with yourself with your phone with your work with all these different things and kind of work out um yeah what you want from life did you find it useful for like kind of working out your values and you know boundaries and all that sort of like personal stuff that's important
1: yeah I think I definitely found out so much more like about me and about what I need in a friend and what I need in a relationship. Um, and definitely like the boundaries thing, because obviously we were doing the experience and the experience itself was wholesome and amazing, but we were also being filmed. Um, And that's where I had, that was the only place where I had like a bit of friction and a bit of pushback is that there were some times when I was just like, (laughs) right now, I really don't want to talk to the camera. And you sort of had to like negotiate that a little bit. And I definitely found my boundaries because during the show I came off my medication and when I came off it it wasn't like smooth sailing I had some days where I really really crashed and then you know the production team would really want to film something like we're filming a meeting and I'd be like I'm I'm not going to come to me and like you know I'm having a bit of a panic attack and they're like we need everyone at the meeting (laughs) I'd kind of be like well no 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 you really wanted to film the journey of me coming off my medication like you were happy to do that you're supportive and now I'm off it and this is what's happening and if I can't go to the meeting I can't go to the meeting and like I'm not going to be pushed into it and you know there were a few like <laughs> little arguments but I was like this experience is about helping us in our mental health and I'm going to do that even if it inconveniences you and because you you know, like when else am I going to get the chance to really help myself in that way? So I want to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, really, that kind of level of um, ruthlessness on their part. Particularly, I mean, as we record this, it's like Mental Health Awareness Week. So everyone's saying, oh, you know, take care of each other, be kind, mental health awareness. And then, but not if it means getting a, you know, not if we can get Matty crying on camera (laughs) at the latest (laughs) meeting. (laughs) A lot of the
1: time, they most of the time they were really kind and there were like different... Um, different crews all the time and some of them were amazing and some of them were not as good and a lot of them were super understanding like one of the um camera guys um like was really I think he had been through a similar journey with his mental health and so he was really very much like we're gonna put that first and we'll talk if you want to talk and if you don't want to talk we won't talk and really supported me in that and then there were just some people who you know they had a job to do and they were gonna do it no matter what um like I remember there was a point where I got a parcel, which I thought was gonna be my camera. So everyone was allowed one special item on the farm and I have like an old fashioned like a uh, film camera. So I wanted that as my special item uh, so I could take like photos, which I did and they were really amazing. But um, I thought my the parcel coming to me in the post was my camera. And so they set me down at the table and they were like filming me open it. Um, and I opened it and it was my grandmother's ashes Um, and I was completely in shock and my auntie had sent them to me because they were all doing the ceremony and scattering them and I couldn't be there because I was on the farm so she had sent me a pouch of my own so that I could do it and say goodbye which was really amazing of her but I didn't know it was happening and I was completely in shock and was like crying and everything and you know they were filming and it was like whatever you can you film it but they said to me like oh we just we just want to make sure you know like we had no idea what was in the package and if we had known we would never have like done that to you on camera we would have given you a heads up and I was like okay cool like that's good to know um and I spoke to my auntie later and she was like I sent that package inside another package that had a letter explaining exactly what was in it
0: uh, <laughs> I was right.
1: like, oh okay
0: yeah no sneaky huh? really yeah. really sneaky
1: so some yeah. things like that like that was one of the tricky parts of the process was that you really had to be like a vulnerable and do all this like really raw healing but completely also on camera and with people that you sometimes trusted and sometimes really didn't and you weren't sure what was safe to say and what wasn't and
0: (laughs) yeah sure I suppose that in in some ways that must have really helped your bond with the other people in the house right because you're all in it together you can kind of watch each other's backs and, and keep an eye on it yeah the um the decision to come off your medication did you make that in the house based on the positive impact it was having on your mental health
1: yeah definitely so I felt at the time like I didn't feel like it was something I'd be able to do at home and I was like here I'm surrounded by people who support me there are people who are keeping an eye on me and um, in this aspect as well the producers were really really good because they organized for me to speak to like a special uh, psychiatrist and they like set me up some like meetings with him and I got to go into like a separate room and sort of break the rules and use a laptop to do like a zoom therapy session with him and like guide me through that process. Um, and they also got me all these materials, for like CBT therapy, Um, like they got me some books and these cards and lots of things, so in that case they really did support me with that decision really well and like worked really hard to make sure that it was okay, so I felt like I've got a huge amount of support and being monitored and feeling good, like I think this is a good time to try and come off them
0: yeah i love that I, I suppose i'm asking for my own personal reasons i'm in the in the process now of um of working my way off my um off my medication yeah, so it's a really interesting conversation conversation to have but um yeah it sounds like it it was a a good a good time you know a good time to pick that thing and that's the important thing isn't it? having those things around us having everything um in yeah. place to to make that transition a bit a bit easier yeah, and
1: yeah. I, like trying to come off meds yeah having a support system in place is really really helpful because I think when you are coming off them you have like you do like I personally had some like quite big crashes but then also just in daily life you have ups and downs and it can be hard to keep track of is this because I'm coming off the medication or am I just having a bad day um and like the the therapist I spoke to he told me to like keep a diary of my moods throughout the day and like rate them from one to ten and write what happened to make me feel if I felt down? Like what happened and why? And then, you know, like look back at the diary at the end of a few weeks and then you can see, okay, was it like consistently worse, 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 worse? And maybe I'm coming off the medication too fast or was it just, this was a bad day? This was a good day kind of thing. Um, yeah. You can Really keep track. And that was nice because I did that. But then I also had the people I lived with in the house who were keeping an eye on me and they all knew I was coming off and they could kind of see, what was happening with me and like feedback as well
0: yeah I I love that so much because it's um you know, we're supposed to have good and bad days. It's like part of the human experience, right? And it's something I do myself. i, I kind of have, have a bit of a, a bad morning and you know, stress trying to get my kids to school and get to work and all that sort of stuff. And straight away the fear kicks in. It's like, oh my God, is this it? Yeah. Is this gonna be like another thing? And I think, no, hang on a minute, I've had hardly any sleep, I've skipped breakfast, my kids will be in, you know, a pain in the ass. Like, of course, I'm just a bit stressed. It's fine, there's no need to panic, you know. So it's yeah, it's really important to kind of like you say, I suppose writing it down is brilliant. I'm gonna start doing that. You know, yeah. I haven't been doing that, and yeah. Yeah, I think that's um it's that's, really that's brilliant.
1: brilliant yeah and get like a clear picture because it is true like when you know you're suffering with something you can be way more hard on yourself than you would be on anyone else and like any sort of deviation from a norm you're like okay like am I doing all right um and there was like a study actually because I did a psychology a level and there was a study where these psychologists went like undercover and got themselves admitted to like inpatient mental my voice (laughs) to like inpatient mental hospitals and then they were sort of studying um kind of i guess whether or not like the nurses could tell that they were fine or not and the whole time they were there they didn't they didn't do anything to display like any kind of mental illness they were just themselves and they continued like working and writing notes and it was really interesting because they'd been admitted as having like psychosis or mental problems every single thing they did was interpreted by the nurses as a sign of their mental illness so you know they'd be there like writing notes in their diary and then the the nurses were putting on their files like obsessive note-taking behavior and like <laughs> all this thing it was like everything they did was seen as being a sign of being really unhealthy but really they were all completely
0: healthy wow that's fascinating that's um yeah i'm gonna go and uh i'm gonna go and check that out because yeah we kind of see everything through that lens of illness right and quite often with like a lot of mental illnesses and mental health problems it's not like it's not a madness or a sickness it's normal human emotions and feelings they're just like jacked up to the nines right it's like emotions on steroids it's you know rather than um being this like yeah completely um yeah insane behavior but um yeah so what's what's going on with you now Matthew what's what's the plan it must be um you know you come out and you're ready to ready to start life again right ready to
1: yeah so that's kind of a big question <laughs> um so I came out I didn't go back to work for a while um I was sort of just like not working trying to take my time and figure out what I wanted to do um and then I started to get really broke. So <laughs> I went back to the restaurant I was working in before. And then as well as working in a restaurant, I work on TV shows, like as an extra or a walk on. Um, and then I do a bit of modeling as well. So I've been doing that, um, but I um, like always, always wanted to be a writer. Um, and I wanted to write for TV Um, And I did my degree in like drama and creative writing. Um, And before my degree, I was working on a novel. Um, And then I did my degree and I like submitted some of the novel um, to my lecturer for like one of my exams. And he really, really loved it. And he was really encouraging. And he was like, I really think like you can publish and this is great. And then I've just always been terrible under pressure. So as soon as I had that kind of feedback, I just put it down and didn't write another word <laughs> um so since coming out I've been picking my novel back up and working on it and doing some writing um so yeah right now the plan is just to sort of keep doing enough work to keep money coming in and then try and focus on writing my book and like really getting into writing yeah
0: yeah oh mate that's lovely that's really cool really cool and i wish you all the best with it it's um i've i've spoke to so many people through this podcast and i've spoke to a lot of authors and it's something that i um i realized myself um whether it's people who are authors people who have uh, started charities all these different people that i've spoken to that have done amazing things and the only difference between me and you and them is that they did it you know the only difference between me and an author who's wrote a book is that they sat and wrote a book you know and it's really given me this feeling that like yeah we can just like just do anything right you can do anything you want to and there's something so excited about that so i wish you all the best with your with your journey and um thank you so much for um joining me today it's been a real pleasure mate i've really enjoyed it oh
1: thanks for having me It was really good fun
0: to up to the proper mental podcast,
1: <laughs> a, podcast. a proper mental podcast.